0: Okay.
1: Hello. I'm a
0: little bit nervous.
1: I am uh yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So hi. How's it going? Good day. Good good morning. It is our our first podcast. Well, our first podcast that we're actually gonna post. Yeah. Our first official one. Our first official one. Second try. Yes. We've tried this and then we realized that the sound was terrible. The noises in the background were terrible. Mm. And we had a sound engineer tell us that it sounded like absolute shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> humbling <laughs> experience. Very humbling. Uh, so we got we a gotta setup now. We've, we've got left. like a whole... It's a bit janky, but it works. It's a bit janky, but we've got some acoustic... Makeshift paneling. We've got some mics. We've got some sort of unit with
0: a lot <laughs> Units, of bro. unit brew. Unit brew with a lot of buttons and lights on it. We've got a recording program. So that means it has to be doing something. Like in my opinion, this is like a a proper studio. I feel so. You know? I feel so. I feel like if other people will
1: see it, they'd laugh at us. But I'm feeling extremely professional. Me too. <laughs> I feel proud. I'm like,
0: yeah, this is a place I work. Yes. At. Look at us <laughs> taking something so seriously. <laughs> It's only because our sound engineer was so kindly cracking us out. Yes, That's yes. Well,
1: this is this is sound engineer approved. Yes. Let's not name names, because yeah. don't name drop. Them. Yeah, because like the the people out there, or the netizens, <laughs> are are cruel. They can be cruel. Yeah. So
0: yeah, you guys have um no no feelings.
1: Yeah, we're gonna keep everything in anonymity except. For the murderers.
0: Oh, Alrighty.
1: Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into this, bitch. Yes, okay. today B Woo-hoo. is presenting.
0: Oh, sounds so, like, I'm, like I'm back in school. Okay, you yeah. guys ready for my presentation? Yes, yes. I did a little okay. round of applause. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm feeling a little late no late yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> this case, you know, it's not like Like, when you listen to you like, okay, it's not, like, that bad. But, you know, the other day, you and I, we were sitting here, and we were talking about people that you just look at, and you're just like, wow, you are just pure evil. Like, there is just, like, you look at this person, and you're like, there is nothing good behind your eyes. That is the vibe I get from this man. And, like, I don't know why, but it just drew me to this case, because it's, like, such a simple case, and, like, very straightforward. But, like... Just the type of person he is, like, it just gives me such an eerie vibe about him. Like, he resonates evil without even meeting him. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And, like, I know we're not really going to be doing much, like, like visuals. But there is one video I have to show you when we get to the part. And you will get what I'm saying now when I show you this video. Yeah, girl. Okay. So Prepare to be creeped out. My body is ready. So, okay. So this case happens like not so long ago. Like this guy was charged in like 2019, 2020. Recently. Yeah. So recent stuff. Okay. So our victim's name is Jill Packham. I don't know if you've heard of her. No. Yes, this is all new to me. (laughs) Yay. Okay, perfect. So, Jill was born on the 21st of March, 1962. Okay? She is a middle child of five siblings. Imagine. I would literally die. She's described as kind, generous, um, gracious, welcoming. She loved to garden and, like, had, like, a lot of knowledge about plants. Like, green thumb for days. Okay? Then there's Rob Packham, the husband. There's not, like, too much info about him. And I also didn't want to do too much info about him because, I'm like, the whole case is, like, about him. So, I'm like, eh. But, so, he has, like, some siblings. I think they're, like, some sisters, from what I understand. And he was born in 1960. So, he's, like, a year older than her. Two. Two years. Two years. Two years older than her. So, they get married in 1988. They have two kids. One is called Carrie Ann and one is Nicola. So the family. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Are they South African? Yes. Okay. So the right. family's all from Joburg. Okay. Then, Joburgians. Joburgians. So then they decide to have these two kids and they decide, okay, they're going to move their family to Cape Town. They're like, better life, you know? Yeah. So. The mother city. You know? Where all the pubs are. Yes. Let's go, girl. So they pack up and they move to Cape Town. I'm not really sure when, but like, it seems quite early on. Like, it didn't Mm. seem like it happened too late. So their marriage is described to be, like, super warm, super loving. Like, you couldn't really, like, there wasn't anything bad to say about it. Like suburban family vibes. And the girls had, like, a really good relationship with their dad, really good relationship with their mom. Like, nothing funky about anything. Nothing out of the ordinary. Everything was super chill. So Jill worked as a secretary from 1984 to 1987, so up until a year before she married Rob, and then they start having kids or whatever, and she decides, I'm gonna be a housewife, or right. you know, take care of them kids, you know. So that's what happens. She becomes a housewife. So Rob is a chartered accountant, but he is known for like often changing his career path without like any real reason, which I find like super strange. Like if you have a good job, like I feel like a chartered accountant, that's a good job. And you have to study for that. You like know? it's
1: not just something you do you in like just two years. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's like some proper so studying. And like, some... It's weird that like he's constantly, not like just once or twice, like he is constantly every few months to up to like every year, like moving jobs super strange commitment issues or is there
1: some shade
0: so uh, i'm not so sure but in the 2000s rob is a ceo of this company i think it's called like freecom or something yeah i can't remember and so he says he left this business due to like just like the business relocating but it actually, Did he start the business? No, 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 no. He oh. joins this business. Oh, he joins it, but yes. then he leaves. Then he leaves. He's okay. like, nah, like the business relocated. Like, I'm going to stay here. So he leaves the job. So it comes out <clears throat> from a colleague that worked with him that this is actually not the case. This is apparently what happened was him and this colleague had very different views on things in the business, like fees, ethics, morals, like just stuff in general. And so because of these difference of opinions, this work colleague left before Rob left. But when he left, he decided, no, fuck this shit. I'm actually going to message the rest of these people and tell them my concerns about Rob. Because I think he's going to literally, you know, make this business go into shit. Okay. So he emails the boss and he's like, listen, this is what Rob's views are. This is what my views are. This is why I'm leaving, blah, 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 blah.
1: You're basically clearing the air with yeah
0: everyone. okay so this then creates tension with the other owners or businessmen or whatever and rob because now they know why this colleague actually left and they like now kind of like okay but now we're getting like bad vibes from rob like boo rob okay <laughs> <laughs> you know like we don't like rob so then they were like no bad vibes tension or whatever so rob's like fuck this i'm gonna leave like i'm not gonna be here anymore he leaves can't deal with no bad vibes no no bad vibes here so he leaves and so now whilst all of this is happening jill's like fuck okay financial strain here let me start working again so she starts working and she starts helping to run like this bed and breakfast there in cape town so, at some point after she started doing this, she then also picked up another job. So, she was working the bed and breakfast job, and then she started working as a secretary at a school, at a convent. The school is called Springfield Convent in Weinberg. Ooh. Mm hmm. But now, the more like I read into this case the more like people explain her as like you know when you're at school and like there's just that one like lady at the front desk that like whenever you're going there you can have a chat with her she's just so like nice as always. Oh she's
1: like the the mom. Yeah. Yes there's always either it was one of your teachers mm. the school counselor somebody there was always somebody yes. that you felt
0: like you could speak to. Exactly. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. apparently like she was that person. Okay. know like, all the little little ones were like yay love her yeah. slay queen. This was like great. So now, throughout this period, Rob is now self... Uh, well, first he's unemployed. And he decides, yo, I'm a big man. I have a brain. I'm going to I'm gonna start my own company. Oh, right. I'm, I'm yeah. going to do this. I yeah, can yeah, yeah. do this. And now, I'm not really sure what he tried to do, but it failed. <laughs> it did not work. Okay? <laughs> it, Don't know what he did, but, but it, it didn't it work. It didn't work. It did okay. not work. It was just... It wasn't happening. So this led now... I don't know exactly the ins and outs, but apparently it failed. But it failed bad. This put them in like severe financial strain and stuff. Oh, did he like borrow money to start this? Did he use his wife's I think money? Like they had saved up money. And oh, okay. Like from yeah, because like he was a CA and know? a CEO, you so know? he probably had some proper so savings. I think he just blew all of their cash that they had, and then put on them- this. Unsuccessful business venture.
1: Yes. Right.
0: They were like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so they end up having to sell both their holiday house and the house that they live in. So they sell both their houses. Okay, so they go from upper middle class mm.
1: living quite, yeah, quite quite well yeah. to needing to sell everything
0: yeah all because like
1: liquidation vibes yeah
0: all because he can't keep a job and like then he left the other job then he blew all their money like he just like when it comes to finance work things like that can't do it which is funny because he's a ca isn't that
1: part of the the entire job description is finances maths
0: trying to make sure that this works out do you see what i'm saying like already from the beginning like he's just his mannerisms don't make sense like he's just like
1: is do you think it's kind of like that a mechanic's car is always broken yeah the ca's finances oh
0: well i'm not saying all ca's but this one yeah yeah that actually makes sense maybe okay but like i feel like with rob there's gonna be some other information that comes out quite soon and it's gonna explain some stuff but i feel like he's just such a I want to say, like, spontaneous type of person. Like, he gets bored very quickly. Impulsive. Impulsive, Impulsive. yes. Impulsive. That's the word. Like, yeah, we'll get back to this. Okay. So as Noted. Just, yes. Like, it's just like, he can't... He is bored. That's the thing. He gets too bored too quickly. So, anyway, so for seven months, Jill had to compensate for Rob's unemployment by working her two jobs. Yeah. Okay. And it's said in this time, she, like was like Wonder Woman strength like she pulled and they them have through two kids. yeah 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 so expensive mhm okay. so it's like you know she she pulled them through for real for real so now after the 7 months rob starts working at a cookie shop super random like a baking but, yeah, cookie like a like a cookie shop like you eat a cookie yeah oh wow super okay. random okay but then again less than a year later he leaves again (laughs) but like okay and then he starts working at twizzer you know twizzer the cool drink the cool drink yeah yeah he starts working there at like their like headquarter vibes okay like their factory yeah yeah he starts working there
1: so he's not, like, even keeping in line of what he did ever. Mm-hmm. He could changes completely. Like, mm-hmm. 180.
0: Yeah. Like, okay. like complete
1: random shit. Well, maybe Twizzle and cookies can kind of go together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I understand but what like you mean. But, like, complete yeah. random stuff. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what are you yes. actually doing with your life? Yeah. You know? Now Rob has a job. You know, they're kind of, like, getting back on their feet. Whatever. Now, throughout this period of time, it comes out. Well, it doesn't come out yet. But Rob is having an affair with another woman. So she's a human resource manager. She's recently divorced and she's a mother of two. They met in October 2015 at a BDSM nightclub. This is the note we're coming back to. So there's a big thing that comes out that like when the affair gets found out about, Jill's sisters start to explain that like from what Jill was explaining to them, Rob's taste in the bedroom was very different to hers. He was very much into the BDSM very kinky. Uh, yeah, you know, he likes some freaky. Okay. And Joel was like more conservative, more like yeah. let's make love, not let's get all freaky and, yeah. and shit. yeah. Yeah. He starts getting involved in um this BDSM scene in Cape Town, right? And he even joins a swingers club. But Behind Jill's back, which is, like, really weird because, like, a swingers club is, like, couples swapping couples. Yes. So, it's something, like, super weird and rare to, like, do on your own. And did I'm, he get in on his own? Yeah, like how did he do that? did it. I don't know. Like it doesn't make sense. Do you think he did he take random woman
1: with I'm him? I'm assuming so. Did he maybe take his his mistress? A fairy. Oh, there we go. I wanted
0: to say a fairy. <laughs> mistress is now named Miss X. Her name is legally barred. Because okay. of the protection of her two kids because they're both minors even now up to this day they still okay, minors. Yeah, yeah protect so, the kids all yeah. the way yeah so only until they turn 18 will her name then come out but until okay. then she is known as Miss X Miss X okay? okay so I don't know if she was part of this little thing because they met in this BdSM scene so I oh, yeah like, it makes sense you know I'm assuming yeah. they did the swinging together yeah from from what I can see. So now all of this is done behind Jill's back. And And she has no clue. Not a fucking clue. Like, not even like a hunch girl. Like, not even a little gut feeling. Like, she is living in la-la land. Yeah, but
1: I mean, she's working two jobs, taking care of two kids. I can... there, There probably isn't emotional capacity to, you know... To even... No. There's no time
0: in the day for this. No, girl. So, and also because of... Rob's work, he does frequent like work visits and like he drives to Joburg a lot. So like from what I can understand, he's not always home all the time. Okay. So I think he can get away with with not being there and not like without it being super suspicious. Yeah. So now it's not really known how long this whole affair was going on for before Jill found out. But before she found out, their daughter found out. Oh
1: goodness.
0: Yeah, yeah. So she... She finds proof And finds out That her dad is now having an affair On her mom And she says That either he's gonna tell Jill Or she's gonna tell Jill Kids are so observant Yeah girl And now it comes out That she actually Nicola This daughter Nicola She's the one that found out about the affair Now it comes out that she actually knew For several years About the affair Before Jill found out. Crazy.
1: Oh, no.
0: Yeah. So, now he meets Miss X in 2015, starts this affair. 2016 comes around. He has a third affair on both his wife and his mistress with a therapist. A third affair. Wait, so this is now first Miss X, then the BDSM swingers, and then another person. 2016 comes. He has now a new affair with a therapist from Cape Town. Now, he starts spinning stories that, no, um, Jill is, like, emotionally abusive to the kids. Is she his therapist? No, he's ju- she's just a oh, therapist. Oh, she's just a therapist. They okay. met through mutual friends. Okay. And so he says that him and Jill had a great marriage until now recently, these past few years. She's become such a horrible person. She's abusive. She's mean. She's ugly. She's rude. All these horrible things. Like, she's just this malicious, terrible person. Which all is untrue. Yeah. You know? And I feel like people are more
1: inclined... Maybe I'm going to say this wrong. I don't even know. I'm just going to go for it. Mm. That because a male being abused is such a... I don't want to say unheard of thing, mm. but is it's not as wide, widely known as females being abused. I yeah. mean, I feel like most people feel that females are the one being abused, mm. but... So if a man comes forth and he's like, listen, I'm being abused, that me, myself as a person would immediately believe it. Because, I mean, there's this whole stigma about men needing to be tough. Men don't cry, you Mm -hmm. know. So men admitting that they're being abused, Mm -hmm. you kind of almost have, which is so ridiculous, but you almost have a little bit more compassion because you're like, oh, wow, this must be really, really tough for you, you know. Especially in South Africa, because we also Mm -hmm. still have that the patriarchy, the man is the man, you know? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I, I, and I think, especially as a therapist, this yeah. woman, he must obviously be super manipulative, right? Because she's, she must be clued up with all these emotional cues, right? all that, but I understand her believing him because, I mean, exactly. in my mind, I would also. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So these two start their little affair and she is well aware that it's an affair. Okay, keep in mind, so does Miss X. Oh, Both guys. of these women are under the impression that he is leaving Jill. They're going through a separation. It's a really hard time for him, but he is leaving her. But therapist doesn't know about Miss X. Uh-uh. Okay. And Miss X doesn't know about the therapist. Yeah. But they all know about Jill, but Jill is in their heads this monster that he's trying to leave. So they're like, okay, well, like, leave her and let's start our beautiful life together. Yeah. This affair with the therapist goes on for about a year. Okay, so she goes on to say that Rob told her that Jill and him had a good marriage for about five years. They met January 2016, the therapist and Rob. They met in January 2016 through a mutual acquaintance. And um, then he says that Jill starts to change. She becomes aggressive, verbally abusive towards him, the kids. She becomes, you know, just this horrible person to the point where The kids and him move out, apparently. so This is what he's telling. This is what he's telling the therapist. But this isn't happening. No, no, no. Okay. So he says the whole family set up dysfunctional and that she says that Rob told her that they went to stay in one of Jill's flats and his eldest, Carrie Ann, then went to the UK and Nicola went to Stellenbosch University to study. But two independent sources close to Jill contested the therapist's account they said that they don't believe for a moment that this would have happened and jill would have let rob move out with the girls besides they needed this money from her b business yeah. and stuff because they were so financially strained like it just in the financial strain that they were it didn't make sense for all of them to not be living in one house like they could not afford to all be living in different places
1: yeah, they couldn't, the, the kids probably couldn't afford to go study no. or go to the, the UK. She
0: does go to the UK, but I'm not sure when this happens. Okay. But, like, it wasn't the way that, that Rob had explained that it planned Okay, so he basically took juk- almost, like, real events, but twisted it. 100%. To, to like, fit his fit story. Fit his yeah. narrative. Okay. They're like, listen, girl, there's no way. There's no way this is happening. And, you know, she eventually leaves Rob. But despite all of this negative publicity, this lover, this therapist, she says that she still has a soft spot for him because she, and I quote, says, a part of me feels sorry for Rob because the whole story hasn't been told and he has protected Jill in his trial. He hasn't said one bad word about her. He has never bad mouthed her as a mother, a wife or anything, end quote. So she's basically saying we should all feel bad for Rob because he wasn't an asshole to his wife when he was standing trial, which is like crazy. But, you know,
1: is this him protecting his wife or is this him not trying to get himself deep into shit by lying yeah. under oath? earth? He's
0: trying to protect himself, not his wife. Yeah. So she's like soft spot, you know, shame. He's a gentleman. But how manipulated must you be? Right. To like believe that. Yeah. So anyways, now we fast forward a year, it's 2017. Rob is still having an affair with Miss X. Right. Okay, this affair is still carrying on. The affair with the therapist has ended and he has still not left Jill. And she is still blissfully unaware about all of this extra. All of the happenings. Yeah, all the infidelities. Yes. She doesn't know. Nicola gives Rob. A second option. Well, a second chance. She's like, listen, I gave you a first chance a couple years ago. The daughter now to yeah. her dad. Okay. She's like, second chance. You tell this bitch or I'm telling her. Mm. Second chance. Here we go. Let's do this. Right? And eventually throughout, like so- at some point in 2017, he confesses to Joel about okay. this whole thing. He tells her that he's been having an affair. Does he appear to love his kids? He, he says like... These girls mean the world and... Oh, so you think
1: that that's maybe why the daughter Nicola, she had some standing. Yeah. Like you can be a manipulative asshole of a father, mm. but you actually love your kids. Yeah. So she had some, she had some grounds too. Yeah. Okay. Like she had a bit of pull. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. I just don't understand how you as a child can know for like years that your dad is doing these things. And like let it go on for so long. Like I get it. But I don't get it. Like, I mean, I've been in that situation. Yeah, I think it's difficult because especially if he was Mm -mm. being a good father, Mm. which is something they say a lot. They're like, you know, but this man, he was such a good father. Yeah, you you see, I think that makes it more difficult. And I think in
1: a financially stressful situation, Mm. um, I mean, I grew up in that. Yeah. The... The stress within the family, the the kids feel it. And I think with their mom working two jobs, maybe the daughter didn't want to put more on her mom. Mm. Like she kind of wanted her dad to tell the mom, but maybe she was hoping he would rather end it and they could just move Move on. on. And life could be easier Mm. because, I mean, they're already in this difficult situation. That's what my 10 cents would be. That's what if I had to put myself in that situation. Mm. I get
0: it. But like, and also, if you have, years.
1: yeah, if you have two people you love, yeah. I mean, it's not just telling the mom; it's hurting the mom. It's yeah. probably shattering the mom. Yeah, which, I mean,
0: when she yeah. found out, she was devastated. Yeah, apparently, like, she, does she
1: know that Nicola knew?
0: I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. I think he just went and confessed to her and just tried to leave oh, so Nicola he, out of it. Oh, you? Oh, as, that, well, that's nice. You know, like, I feel yeah. like he tried to just not be a dick about it which is like the one thing I'll give him. Yeah. An asshole. But anyways, so he confesses and Joel is devastated. Like she yeah. can't believe this. Like she's like, "Oh my god, my husband of like 30 years has been cheating on me. Like what am yeah. I going to fucking do?" The betrayal. You know, it's intense. So at first, she approaches a divorce attorney and she's like, "I'm going to leave this man." Yeah. But then she's like, you know what? We have two kids together. We spent thirty years of our life together. Like, let's try and work this out. Yeah. So they start couples therapy. Joel starts her own therapy, like individual therapy. Yeah. And she gets medicated because she is like dealing with this so badly, cannot deal with what's going on that she has to be medicated. Because yeah, but I mean, like, she's been
1: keeping all of this you know? stress together for so many years, working two exactly. jobs, taking care
0: of everything. And, and then... like, meantime, you're doing all of this for a man that's cheating on you. Yeah, Like, this put her through it. So she gets medicated, she goes to therapy, everything. Yeah. So now they start couples therapy, and Rob is like, you know what? I fucked up. I'm here and ready to commit to fixing our marriage. Right. This is the impression that he gives. But it comes out that during this whole thing... He actually lied the whole time and never even left Miss X. Oh,
1: no. Yeah,
0: no. And she doesn't know that Jill found out? Mm-mm. Oh. Not at this point, no. Um, No, she does. She does find she out. Does. She does. Okay. So she finds out. So there's two versions that come out of what's been going on between Miss X and Rob. Right. Okay. So Rob claims that X told him... To work on his marriage. And now the two of them were just friends and confidants for each other. So she found out that Jill found out. Found out they wanted to fix their marriage. And was like you fix your marriage. Let's just be friends. Let's just chill this out. Okay. However and now that's according to Rob. That's what he says happened. However Miss X says that she was under the impression. That he was still finalizing the separation. And that he was still going to leave her. And that him and Miss X were now going to end up being together and start their life together. Which, I mean, I believe her side, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, this all happens throughout the year of 2017. The affair comes out. They start trying to work on their marriage. Meantime, he's lying to to everybody. He's lying to Jill. He's lying to Miss X. He's lying to his kids. Like, I don't think there's a person he's not fucking lying to at this point. I feel like somebody's going to die. <laughs> well, no shit. It's a true But, like, I, case. D-
1: I do not know who.
0: Like, <laughs> so, yes, okay. Yeah. Invested. So, now, all of this happens, and it's, like, a shit show, okay? So, end of 2017, early 2018, there is a month period, okay? Now, the first original story that comes out is that Rob and Jill's therapist says that they should take a month apart and he should go stay with his sister and they should try to work on things while they are apart from each other to kind of give each other a little bit of space, but also not enough space that they like walking away from the relationship.
1: I saw this. This is complete side note. Mm. Um, there was this one episode of Grey's Anatomy. Love me some Grey's. Where... Um, Callie Torres <laughs> and Arizona, they also yeah. had to spend a month apart. Yeah. And basically what it came down to was, or in how I understood it is, either this is going to bring you closer together because absence makes the heart grow fonder, Yeah. or it's going to make you realize that you wanted out the entire time because your mm. life has been better. Which makes You are sense. now separated from the situation. You can see clearly now the rain has gone. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It yeah. makes
0: so much sense And I'm like yeah. okay cool this makes sense Yeah. So <clears throat> the story is that the therapist Recommended this Tells him to go stay with his sister So what actually ends up happening Is he goes and stays with Miss X oh. For this month Giving her the impression that the separation Is being finalized This just feeds into it more That wow this man is really leaving this woman And he is going to end up with me So this whole impression comes out And then The truth comes out. It was so, like, this man is so manipulative. I can't, like, I can't deal with it. The therapist wasn't even the one to recommend it. He was the one that brought it up. He asked for the month separation. And he then used it to go stay with Miss X. The only reason it happened was because the therapist was like, well, if you guys really want to try this out to see if it works, like, we can give it a go. But it was never the therapist's recommendation. It was Rob's request. So, like, I feel like he definitely knew what he was doing. He was like, let me take this opportunity. How do you okay. have the, the time to, to think about think these about things? this. That's what to I'm saying. plan this out. You see, like, it's such, like, a straightforward case. Like, nothing crazy is happening, but, like, just the way his brain it's that works. It's CA
1: calculations. He's not
0: calculating. No. He's calculating moves in his life. Right? He's like, I'm going to get all these bitches and no one's going to find out. That's the way he thinks. And I'm just like, brother, no. All of this comes out it's just like a weird situation but the month ends and from what i'm aware of he moves back in with jill after this month's separation since jill found out about the affair rob says that she phones his place of work quite a few times a day jill now yes to check up on him and to make sure he's where he says he is this leads to people at rob's work finding out basically what happened yeah, because like,
1: wife, why is your wife being crazy?
0: Exactly. Because she's never been like this before. Yeah. So they all kind of start putting two together, two and two together, and they're like, okay, we kinda, you know, we know what happened.
1: This is still a twizzer. Yeah. Okay.
0: Commitment, finally. <laughs> so the one and only Twizar. You know? Yeah. Rob, uh, Rob is like, no, she's constantly calling my place of work, blah, blah, blah. As I said before, he goes on on work trips to Joburg. Now, it, like, kind of put Jill at ease because she's, like, she never knows who's going with him on these trips. You know, like, who who's joining yeah. you? Who's in that passenger seat? Because it's not me. Yeah. So what goal is it? In early 2018... What puts her at ease? No, it puts her at unease. Unease. Oh.
1: Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay, cool. I don't yeah. know who... It makes her feel uneasy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's just getting paranoid about everything. Yeah, she's Understandably like, so. She's just, like, this man, any chance he gets, he's going to cheat on me. Yeah. Early February 2018, okay, Rob goes on another work trip to Joburg. I don't know what date he left, but he comes back to Cape Town on the 18th of February. So he leaves somewhere like early Feb and then comes back 18th of Feb. They have a couple's therapy session booked for the 21st of February in the afternoon. So they go to this therapy session. Meantime, he had spent the whole morning with Miss X right before therapy but she didn't go with him
1: to joe burg
0: no i I think he went alone so he probably has some side probably sticky that was just never found out about so at this point like miss x is like fuck i'm over this bruh like when are you leaving your damn wife like you tell me how horrible she is you're telling me all of these like when are you gonna leave her yeah like you keep telling me you're gonna leave her like i it's been 84 (laughs) years she's like listen Come now. Yeah. Leave. So he goes to this therapy session and he confesses to Jill that he has been lying to her and that he has not been trying to fix their marriage. And he actually now confesses I actually Jill, um I do have feelings for my mistress and I have still been seeing her even though I promised you I was fixing our marriage. That's their therapy session on the twenty first of Feb. So this then leads to them having an argument. That evening of the 21st of Feb, okay, they have an argument. Do you think that he,
1: because from what I'm gathering is he's not, I feel like the only person he truly loves, the only people he truly loves is his two daughters. Do you think think that maybe he, quote unquote, chose Miss X because it's the, path of least resistance like he has manipulated his wife Mm. to the point where she doesn't believe him anyway Mm. where miss x is infatuated with him Mm. and wants him Mm. where his wife is being paranoid and it's just easier for him to go
0: definitely and i think like i said in the beginning with this impulse issue he has like and this whole thing of like not being able to commit to anything getting bored really easy like i think after 30 years like i think he was just over it like i think it was like yeah. i want something new like I want yeah and something...
1: this entire marriage is becoming inconvenient you know, because she and doesn't especially, believe
0: especially like especially after like experiencing the whole like swingers thing and the bdsm stuff like he just has such a different taste in sex life and i feel like now he's like experienced it without Jill and he's like, Fuck, I could do this like Oh and Miss X is into the BDSM and his yeah. wife's not. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's just like a whole bunch of like bad mixed all together creating this really terrible situation. Yeah. Like it's just not looking good. <laughs> so now they have a fight. Him and Joel. Yes. On the twenty first of feb. Now the fight breaks out at some point in the evening. And then at some point Nicola tries to phone her mom that evening. I'm not sure about what. She wanted to speak to her mom. She's about at not home. A, mm-mm.
1: But they're fighting at home. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think this is when she's in in varsity already. They're in Stelan okay. abortion stuff. So she tries to phone her mom. Her dad picks up the phone. Now, when she testifies, she says at this point, she can still hear Jill in the background. And Rob says, listen, we're having an argument. Like your mom is, is not in the mood to talk. Like she'll get back to you. Yeah. When she gets back to you. She indeed does not ever get back to Nicola. At this point, like, Nicola's like, okay, like, I can see there's some bad vibes. Like, let me just give them some time. So now Rob starts saying that the fight ended and the couple just went to bed. You know, the fight just, like, it got old. They were like, you know what, fuck it, let's just leave it and go to bed. Yeah. The next morning they wake up by 7 a.m., Jill was ready and up for work and was ready to leave. Now she had to leave the house by seven to get to the school at half past seven. She drove the same route every day. Like the place that they stay on, it's small. Like and she never phoned Nicola after
1: this. No, no, no. Do you think he didn't tell her? We'll get there.
0: Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm like she is described to be such a reliable person. Like she's just she's always on time. Like she's just she's She's like you. You know, she, she's always there. <laughs> it's just like, they were like, it's so unlikely that she would have missed work without letting anyone know. Yeah. But the morning of the 22nd, she never shows up for work. But Rob is like, no, she got up and she went to work. She never showed up to work. Um, when Jill doesn't show up for work, a colleague decides to call her and check in and find out like where she is. But her phone is switched off and it goes straight to voicemail. So they try and phone Rob to find out maybe they know. Rob's phone does the same thing. It's also switched off and just goes straight to voicemail. So they're like, okay, let's phone Nicola and see maybe she knows. Okay, so there's obviously some friendships going on at work yeah. that they
1: have the daughter's number yeah
0: they're like it's chill man they're you homies they're homies and yeah. like it's just like it's such a weird thing they're like this is so out of character for her yeah they knew her if you have yeah. somebody's daughter's number yeah you, you know. know them pretty well i feel you know yeah this is not her like there's like she just she, there's no way she just won't show up So they phone Nicola, and Nicola's like, I I think they might just be in, like, a therapy session if both their phones are off and they're not answering. Like, they must both be together at a therapy session. Like an emergency therapy session. You know, or, like, maybe just Jill forgot, like, completely slipped her mind to, like, say something. Maybe she thought she gave notice, but she didn't. Like, but she's like, don't stress. Let me phone. Let me find out what's going on. Yeah. You know, give me some time. Let me... I mean, yeah, maybe, the the fight, maybe the
1: fight was so bad, like, they fought till four o'clock in the morning, they're sleeping
0: something. Exactly. It will be okay. You know, okay. she's like, girl, oh, like, yeah. we'll figure this out. Don't stress. Nicola, she phones around, she's trying, to, she's trying to find out. Quarter to ten, a CCTV that is in the street that they live in, sees Rob, no. So this one isn't the one in the street. This one is the one by Rob's work. Okay. Okay. So at quarter to 10, CCTV sees Rob arrive at work. And at this point, like the whole morning, his phone is off up until this this quarter to 10. Quarter to 10, he gets to work. CCTV sees him climb out of his car, switch on his phone. So his phone was intentionally switched off. Yeah. He switches it on and then he receives all these messages from work colleagues and from Nicola about Jill being missing. And him putting his phone off isn't
1: a regular thing. Mm
0: -mm.
1: Because I know my in-laws, we can never get hold of them. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. When they go to bed at 8 o'clock at night, they switch off their phones. Oh, God. What if
0: there's Uh, an emergency? That is what I
1: want to know. They have those old school radios. Oh, no. That the alarm goes off at 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. And then they get up, they do their stuff, and then they switch their phones on.
0: What if there is an emergency? I don't know. They said it's the
1: house phone. And I'm like... But because they still have a landline. Uh, I don't even know their landline number, to be honest strange. with you. And I love my in-laws. Like, I yeah. truly love them to bits. Mm. But I don't have their landline.
0: That's fucking weird. So
1: he wasn't like that. He no. wasn't the no, no, switchy no. or Fiat 90 person. No. It, okay.
0: it, unusual as fuck. Okay. So he switches on his phone. All these messages come through about Jill being missing. He's then seen turning around and going back to his car while being on the phone and then leaving his place of work so he never even that morning stepped foot into the office he literally arrived got out the car checked his phone turned around got back in the car and fucked off he leaves and then he gets he starts to take a drive and he takes the route that jill would take to work trying to see if maybe she was in an accident maybe she broke down on the side of the road like maybe something's happened and she hasn't gotten hold of him like let me let me drive she drives the same routes every damn day. Let me go see if she's somewhere. So, but he doesn't tell anybody he's doing this. I think he phoned Nicola. Okay. But uh, from what I know, like, it, he didn't phone a lot of people. Okay. And so he starts looking around for her. Can't find her. So at 10 o'clock, he messages Miss X and he explains that his wife has gone missing. That he's gone back to his home to see if Jill had gone back there. For some or other random reason. But she wasn't at the house. So he then phones Nicola to update her. And she decides, okay, fuck this. I'm going to make a fake a Facebook post. Get some people on Facebook aware of the situation. Maybe someone's seen something. I'm guessing if
1: her mom's friends have her phone number, they probably mm. are friends with her on Facebook. Exactly. And that generation, my parents' generation. Facebook freaks. Facebook all the way. Yeah, my dad yeah. is
0: a Facebook slut. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yes. She's like, fuck it, let me let me make a post on Facebook. So she makes a post and now there is um a detective, well, a sergeant at Sergeant. So yeah. At Deep Refere Police Station. Is
1: and he's in Cape Town.
0: Yes. Okay. He is called Ivan Sordenberg. He sees Nicholas Facebook post post. He is like kind of alarmed in the beginning because He's like, okay, this is super weird because this is in my jurisdiction, but she hasn't been reported missing at the police station. Why?
1: Can I just say I love that? Police officers chilling on Facebook, checking his socials, and then he sees a post and he's like, I'm not aware of this. Yeah,
0: why not? Why, why not? don't I know? And he's like... he In that moment, he's like, I know for a fact she hasn't been reported. Like, it's not like I just haven't, like, been told yet. Like, he's like, this hasn't, like... This hasn't yeah. been, been informed to us. So just keep this little detective sergeant just in the back head. Okay. Okay. So now, Jill's sisters and her and Jill, they all had a group chat on WhatsApp. On WhatsApp. On WhatsApp. And now, it's not said... Who it came from. But someone informed one of the sisters about Jill being missing. But on the, the group chat. No, no, no. Before. Okay. Before the group chat got involved. Okay. So someone informs one of Jill's sisters that Jill is missing. And the sister is like, Okay, but why why have I heard from this from someone that isn't Rob? Yeah. Why is it not my sister's husband telling me these things? Yeah. So she messages the group chat and she's like, Yo guys, sister's missing we got a problem girls they all like okay that's super weird like why hasn't rob said anything comes out that rob only makes contact four days later he makes first contact with her sisters she's missing for four days and he doesn't communicate with anyone besides nicola and maybe carrie ann but at that point she was in the uk so they're all like okay strange and now it's going to come out, none no. But the message he sends after these four days, girl, creepy. 22nd of Feb, all these people are trying to find Jill. Okay. This is the morning she went missing. And Rob has only called her phone two times and only sent her one message. Literally just saying, where are you? That's all he did. And then drove around to look for her. He just... I would be <laughs> girl. phoning
1: and phoning. And if the phone, if the phone goes to voicemail. Mm. I'm phoning again, bitch. I'm still phoning. Like yeah. the moment that thing is switched on, I'm going to be the first bloody person whose right. call goes through.
0: Exactly. So everybody's just like, you know, he's like not putting in a lot of efforts. And he's
1: not like viciously phoning other people. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's
0: not phoning her. No. And now the weirdest thing comes out is when phone records are looked at. His whole thing was that Jill was apparently phoning him all the time at work. To like figure out where it was. It comes out that Joel would only phone him about two to three. Not even. Yeah, around like two times a day. That's the most she would phone him. Where Rob was phoning her up to four times a day. First you tell us that she's the one constantly phoning you. Which is clearly not the case. So the people at his work that put two and two together. Was he telling them that the wife is phoning consistently? I think they just, I don't know if he told them or if they just assumed or what. But like, she phoned frequently and they were like, okay, something's going on. Everybody finds it weird that he's just like making minimal contact. So now at this point, Rob decides to contact his work colleague. And again, another two different stories come out. So the work colleague says that Rob said to him that if anyone asks where he was that morning, the colleague should say that he was at the factory from half past eight that morning. Now keep in mind, CCTV only saw him at quarter to 10. So he wants an alibi from his work colleague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Rob says that he told the colleague if Jill calls to say that he was at the factory at 8.30, but was now out looking for her. Both of which are a lie. No matter which story was told, yeah. Neither of them are the truth. See, this is where his calculations
1: are starting to fall apart. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's like looking for that. The the colleague doesn't lie for him. Yeah. Okay. When police question him, he tells the damn truth. He's yeah. like, No, guys, this is the truth. He asked me to lie, but this is what really happened. But anyway, so Rob then phones Nicola and tells her that he didn't answer her that morning. Because he was on the factory floor and never heard his phone ring. Meantime, he wasn't even at the factory yet. So he's lying to his daughter. So now he's lying to his daughter as well. So now Rob's sister hears about Jill going missing and says that they should call the Pink Ladies. So this is a missing persons advocacy and networking organization that she says can help them look for Jill. And then he says to his sister, no, Nicola tried to phone them, but they said they can't help without a case number. Now, I don't know if it's true that Nicola tried to phone them. I don't think so. But if it is true, and they did say that they couldn't help without a case number, surely then you go and re- report your Yo, wife. Why, li- hasn't there, why isn't there a case yet? Literally, bruh. It's just like such a weird situation. Yeah. So I think then her, his sister, Rob's sister, pushes him to go and report this woman missing. Yeah. Only at 5.30 that evening, she's been missing since 7 o'clock. Yeah. Only at half past 5 that evening does he go to report her missing. So he goes to the Weinberg police station to report Jill missing. And now he alleges that the lady at the front desk told him that he needed to wait 24 hours. But he says, I'm not accepting this bullshit. I want to speak to someone higher right now. Yeah. I am. I'm doing this. She says, okay, go take a seat. I'll get someone. Goes and he sits down and she goes to call a detective. This is Detective Labuskagni. Oh. (laughs) And so he walks out. And now there aren't a lot of people in the police station. And he knows he's looking for a man who's trying to report his wife missing. And he looks around and he's like, okay, but the only man this could be looks way too cool, calm, and collected to be here to report his wife missing. Yeah. So he's like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be speaking to because no one looks like it should be them. But then Rob goes up to him and he's like, listen, dude, it's me that you're looking for. Like, I'm here. I'm Jill's husband. I'm trying to report her missing. And he's like, oh, but you don't really look like a, a distressed husband. Yeah. He then goes and he's like speaking to, to Rob about everything. But he realizes that this case does not fall under his jurisdiction. He says to Rob, he needs to go to the deep refier. <gasps> mm-hmm. To Mr. Sersant Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. To Mr. Sonnenberg. Okay. So he's like, you need to go to that police station. And report her missing. But he just like, Lavashchani says he had like this gut feeling about this thing. So he starts to kind of interrogate. Rob a little bit. Yeah. He's like kind of asking about Jill, like what's her life like, what's her day to day life like, what's the type of person she is, like just trying to like suss out the situation, you know. Neat. And then he decides to give Rob his personal conf- contact info, and is like, go to this police station, tell them you spoke directly to me, give them my information, and report her missing there. So Rob's like, Sean, I'm groovy. I'll do that. Thanks. Thanks, brother. So he obviously wants to have it known that
1: he spoke to him. So if yes. they phone him. Yes. He can be, or he can phone them and be like, yo, this guy told you this and this and this is what I gathered.
0: Exactly. It comes out that Labuschagne pre-warned the Deep Refere police station that Rob was supposed to be coming to them with this information and to report his wife missing. Rob never shows up. Look to at the police station, policing. Like, that's quite... Yeah, girl, they were doing their, doing their stuff. Yeah. It comes out that, you know... Oh, Labus even says that he recommends they get specialists involved. Because he's like, I just get such a bad vibe about this situation. Like, you guys need the best of the best. Yeah. And we need to figure out what's going on. But Rob never shows up to the police station. He turns around and he says that he both forgot... And also thought that Labouskagny was going to do it for him. That he was going to report this whole thing for him. So instead, he goes to his sister's house for dinner.
1: Okay, so if you're a husband and your wife is missing Mm -hmm. and somebody tells you to go somewhere else. Like, I understand I've been to home affairs Mm -hmm. with like, go to this little desk, Mm -hmm. go to that little. Like, you have to go to seven different places to do one thing, right? I get how that's an inconvenience. But if your wife is missing, you should be doing the most. Right? Bodging in there, being like, This person sent me, mm. here's the contact info, help me. You would he think he might mention to the police, he might also be reporting it, yeah. but I'm here reporting it too. But
0: you're telling me that between the time of he gets to the Weinberg police station around half past five, he goes to his his sister's house for dinner, and he leaves his sister's house at nine o'clock you're telling me that means he must have gotten to his sisters at let's say around seven o'clock hypothetically okay you're telling me between half past five and seven o'clock he forgot his wife was missing and just forgot to report her missing that makes no fucking sense bro no how do you forget your fucking wife is missing no stupid but that's what he says. So he goes to his sister's house for dinner. At this point, like his phone is about to die while he's at dinner with his, his sister. He apparently is super nonchalant and like so out of it and like devastated about this whole situation that he's not paying attention to his phone and doesn't realize that it's going to die. So he leaves his sister's house at around nine o'clock, gets in the car, drives home. But his phone is dead. And now, like, it's super weird that his phone is dead. Because, yeah, according to Rob, he said himself that he usually puts his phone on charge in the car. But this one time, he he just didn't. You see, okay, so I'm bad at
1: charging my phone. Mm. I'm just generally bad at having a phone. Mm. I feel like I should have lived in, like, Mm -hmm. the the post Dave era. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't have answered the poor Dave, But then I could have been like, yo, this Dave is just somewhere. It's not with me, you know? know?" And so I get not charging your phone. But again, if I put myself in this situation, Mm. if you are, like I said previously, you should be phoning. Like if your phone's about to die from phoning all these people, Mm -hmm. you make a plan. Mm -hmm. Like I feel that is... It's Mm -hmm. like smokers. Somebody has a lighter. Right. Somebody has a phone charger. Mm. You're at your sister's house. You're telling me she doesn't have a phone charger for you. You're having dinner, Mm. needing information about your wife being missing. Mm. But you are nonchalant about your phone
0: being flat. And on top of that, like you go out of your way to say that like on a normal day, you'll plug your phone in in the car. Yeah. So like I just it doesn't. It's not adding up. 2 plus 2 no, doesn't no. equal 4. No, no, no. Like, it's not. The math is not mathing. He he leaves his sister's house to apparently go home. And now, at this point, his phone is dead, dead. Whether it's actually dead or switched off, I don't know. I'm assuming switched off. Anyway, so now it's 9.30 p.m., still the 22nd of Feb. Okay. And a resident near the Deep Refere train station calls the police to alert them that there's a car that's on fire now just before well or like while this was going on some like Nicola gets a message from someone who saw her Facebook post and they say they have emergency contacts like they will message their contacts to keep an eye out for her mom or her mom's car because the her mom's car is also missing at around 10 p.m he messages Nicola and he lets her know about this car that's on fire and he's like, listen through one of my contacts. Like, it looks like it could be your mom's car. That's that's on fire. So she tries to call Rob and tell him so that he can go check it out and like find out what's okay. going on.
1: This is still the same day that she went missing. Yeah. So the st- sisters still don't know. They found out four days later.
0: Uh, no, at this point they know Rob only. Rob only talks to them four days <gasps> oh, later. Oh. Okay. So they okay. found out, but okay. just not from Rob. Okay, and they only speak to Rob four days later. Okay, Nicola tries to um get hold of Rob about the the burning car, but can't. His phone's dead. She tries to call her aunt instead, Rob's sister. She gets a hold of Rob's sister, and Rob's sister's like, okay, cool. I'm I'm gonna go figure out what's going on. Yeah. At the scene, the firefighters get the fire out. And now everywhere is burnt. There's a tree nearby that's, like, been set alight. Like, it's just weird. Like, the whole way it looks, you can definitely see it's foul play. And then they realize that some type of gasoline has been used. Yeah. So they're like, okay, foul play. So they call. For, so first responders call for officers from the Deep Refere, um police station for backup. Now, Sergeant Sornedbach is one of those police officers. Sergeant yeah sergeant okay. facebook they all go and he sees the car he gets there he sees the car and he instantly is like i remember this post i remember the post this girl made on facebook so he's like nah motherfuckers pop the trunk i want to see what's wanting they pop the trunk dead body dead body it's Joel. they don't know who it is they don't know okay inside is this burnt body they say the most extreme burn was that it was like there was scorching on the body that's the most extreme of gods which is quite extreme yeah you know like your body is pretty much charred at that point yeah there were patches of skin that were identifiable but like one of the bonuses was one side of her head was less burnt than the other so Sonnabach sees the colour and texture of the hair and can see it belongs to a white female. Yeah. So he's like, okay, that's my suspect. Well, that's my that's my victim, yeah. a white female. In this moment, he thinks about the case again, but he still remembers, but this, this woman hasn't been reported missing yet. Yeah. So can it be her? Like, or am I just now grasping at straws? Yeah. Because like, if it hasn't been reported, it's already 10 o'clock at night, maybe she's been found. So while this is happening at the scene, Rob's sister tries to call him but gets voicemail, she phones, she fucking phones and phones and phones until the motherfucker picks up, so eventually he picks up and he's like so sorry my phone died, I had to drive all the way home, only realized when I was home that my phone was dead and then put it on charge and had to wait for it to turn back on because it was so dead. So she explains to him about the burning car. Between the two of them, they decide that she's going to go pick him up. They're going to go pick up a family friend. And they're going to go to the police station together and officially report Joel missing. Took until like basically half past 10 at night. The Lord above only knows. But it's fucking ridiculous. So he left his phone off for like an hour and a half. Yeah, girl. So he did not
1: plug in his phone. Like... I have an old iPhone that my daughter uses. Sometimes Mm. this thing is flat. Mm. And then you get this thing is super flat. I don't really understand the difference. Mm. But sometimes it takes
0: forever Mm. to switch on. But not an hour and a half. But not an hour and a half. No. So the three of them go to the police station. But the police station has little info about what's going on. And Sorenbach is still at the scene. So the three of them are like, fuck this. We're going to go to the scene and find out for ourselves what's going on. So they go... the scene of the crime and there they they only once once they get there do they find out that a dead body has been found in the car they originally thought it was just the car and only once they get to the scene do they realize there's a body that's now involved so sodenbach lets um the forensics get all the evidence that they need he sees that there are like fresh tire marks that don't belong to jill's car they're like it's not the same so he just like takes note of that then the family, they all go back to the station with another officer. Officially report Rob. Oh, Rob. Officially report Jill missing. But then Rob goes, oh, yeah, but I don't have a photo of her. How is this making sense? So like, not even let me phone my daughter no. to get a photo. Let, let me just go like, on to Facebook. Photo, to let sorry. Me- yeah. What? Sonnenbach tells the family what he knows and explains that the car had no license plates. It's going to take more investigating to find out if it is Jill's car and if it is her body because now they don't know. But they need to do DNA tests, they need to do tests on the car, like just a whole bunch of stuff. So Sonnenbach then decides to give them a counselor to speak to to try and deal with all of the trauma they've experienced now this day because the the wife's missing. They just saw a dead body. Okay. So Rob later on expresses that he was so frustrated at this and he hated it because he's like, I wanted facts, not counseling. So now that Rob isn't taking part in this counseling, Sonar Bach is like, okay, well, come, let's go make a statement in my office. You know, you and me, let's go. And then Rob's like, actually, I'm too tired. I'm actually just going to go home. Um, but we can, we can meet up tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning and I'll come and do my statement. And Sorenberg is like, okay, that's fine. We'll do that. So Rob's sister takes him home and, um, he says he's tired and he tries to get some sleep. After an hour after being dropped off at home, the police, a police officer from the Deep police station comes to try and get a photo of Jill. Okay.
1: This is also just not how are you suspicious.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> not how are you like title suspicious? suspicious. <laughs> how are you too tired to make a statement? A statement about your missing wife. Just red flag.
0: Yeah, no. Strange.
1: So like and it wasn't that he was up all night. He was sleeping, got up. Sort of attempted to go to work and then was driving around. Yeah. He wasn't doing the most. He <laughs> went to go have a chill dinner, got home, yeah. didn't put his phone on charge for an hour and a half. Yeah. Just probably took a nap or whatever. Like,
0: you know, like just He's weird. tired from being suspicious, right? So it's all just weird. So anyway, so they get this photo of Jill. They leave the house. So Rob's like, no, it was impossible to sleep that night. So he went for a drive that night. Around like 3 in the morning or something. He goes for a drive. So now the next morning at 8.30. Rob doesn't show up for his meeting with Sohnenbach to do his.
1: So he's too tired <laughs> to sleep. Oh, he's too <laughs> distraught to sleep. So he goes for a drive. But he can't drive back
0: and go make a statement. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. So he doesn't show up for his, his appointment to make the statement. 9 o'clock comes. Sohnenbach is like, no, I'm worried. Let me go check. So he organizes a few police officers to go with him. And they go to the Packham house to go check on Rob. So Rob, from what they can see, is not there. And so now the officers are trying to see if anyone's home. They're knocking and they're calling out his name for about 20 minutes. And then Sornudbach is like, okay, now I'm seriously worried. Like, we're going to have to force our way into this house. I need to make sure this guy's safe. So just before they make their forced entry... They see Rob pull into the driveway for the first time that morning. So he wasn't even on the property. He was somewhere else. Completely different. Not making a statement. Not making a statement. Yeah. Um, Sonnenbach asks Rob why he was, where he was, and like, what the fuck? And Rob shrugs and literally says, he was driving all night and forgot. He just goes, I was driving all night and forgot. That, that's it. The police ask Rob to go back to the station with them, and he agrees. Before they leave, though, Sohnerbach takes notes of Rob's registration and takes pictures of it. Now, this rings a little ding, 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 because they had an eyewitness that saw a car at the place where this, where Jill's car was burning, and they got a license plate number. Three of those numbers that they had given matched Rob's license plate number. So Sohnerbach is like, hmm, suspicious. So, um... Then Sonnenbach states that um, Rob never looked rushed or eager to find out if the car was a match, whose body was in the boot. Like he didn't ask for updates. He didn't ask for news. Like he just didn't care what was going on in the case. And he's not saying stuff like, "Oh, she ran. Mm-hmm. She was the angry only thing at me." He said, "Is to him the only thing that could have possibly happened was that she was hijacked and murdered by random people." So not even she's pissed off at me. Mm-hmm. She took her stuff and left mm-hmm. me.
1: Mm-hmm. She
0: was oh yeah, she was hijacked. Which also like the defense, no, not the defense. The state they completely tear that whole that whole thing down. They like there's no way. Now Soner states that he's never rushed to find out any information about the case, right? He's just like it's just like this. This is weird behavior. So then. Rob states that the morning of the 22nd, Jill and him had parted ways as normal. She went to work and that's the last time he saw her. He says that his phone was off that morning because he didn't go to work, didn't have to go to work normal time because he didn't have a meeting. Instead, he went to a second-hand car dealership looking to buy Jill a new car for her birthday and switched off his phone so that Jill wouldn't see it because it was supposed to be a surprise. Why he's saying his phone was off from 7 that morning until he got to work. He says though that he didn't speak to any employees at any of the dealerships he went to. He just walked around so that he could he could get a feel for what he could afford. But then Nicola confirms that he wanted to buy Jill a car for her birthday. So they're like, okay, maybe he's telling the truth, but like it still sounds really weird like it doesn't
1: all that is telling me is that this was Mm pre-planned
0: rob says that he doesn't know what happened and maybe she was hijacked and murdered on the way to work and then suddenly throughout this this conversation he's having with Sodenbach, he just stops answering the questions he just is like fuck it i'm not gonna answer you anymore even the most simple questions of like what is your life like what is your wife's daily routine like he's like in writing turns around and goes I don't think I should be answering this question. And then says to Sonia back, well, I've realized now I'm a suspect and I need legal advice and I need legal help. I'm not going to
1: take part in this anymore.
0: But then he says, but he did apparently.
1: But that, she hasn't been identified
0: as the body yet. No. Mm-mm. He says that apparently he offered to take a lie detector de- test, but police declined, which I don't believe ever happened. Yeah. But he says he did. Then Rob confirmed that they had argued the previous night, but it had little to do with the therapy session and claimed she was slightly upset because he had only come home on the 18th and was then planning to leave again on the 22nd. Now, this was the first and I think the only time Rob ever mentioned to anyone wanting to leave on the 22nd. That was never mentioned before. Like this was just news to everybody. Everybody was like, what the fuck? But he's like, no, that's why Joe was upset. Not because in therapy I told her that I was in love with my mistress and didn't want our marriage anymore. It was because I came home and now two days later I want to leave again. Then four days later, after the vehicle has been discovered, Rob reaches out to family and friends for the first time. Okay, this is the four days. Yeah, long wait. This is the message that was sent. And I quote, he goes, Sorry, no comms. Honestly, Worst days of my life. Family is traumatized. Tragic and sorry. As I was the last to see Jill, I am a person of interest to the SAPS. Not a suspect, but under scrutiny. Very difficult. They found her car burned out with an unidentified body in it. Terrifying and tragic. ID not clear until DNA by Wednesday or Thursday. Sorry, not much use to anyone right now end quote, okay, so like already I'm like ick, my skin is crawling. Oh, yeah, for those who don't know um a suspect, you're definitely like they're like you, I strongly believe you had something to do with it. Scrutiny, just a little hunch, you yeah, know. could be. We're be.
1: questioning you yeah. that maybe you could be a suspect. Yeah. Suspect is we already have something.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now at this time, Rob is still in contact with Miss X, and X says she felt terrible about the whole situation, and she was just trying to be supportive of Rob through this time of need. I guess the police knew about their affair fairly early on in in the case, and this brought like a lot of suspicion. You know, like your your wife is Is just—is it made clear when he told Miss X that the wife was missing? I don't know when it comes out to the police. I don't know how they find out about the affair. I think no, no, no. I mean, like, when did Rob tell Miss X his wife's missing? He told her the day that she went missing at ten o'clock that morning. So before he tells her family? Yeah, he told her. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like more weird suspicions. So Sonodbach's early investigations, you know, when he first saw this post and stuff, also brought in like a lot of information early on in the case that actually like ended up helping them. And so now two houses down from the Packham residence. So it's the Packham home, a house, and then a second house. Now on this second house, they have CCTV covering the whole road. On this CCTV they see a green BMW, which is Jill's car. Okay, she has a green BMW, and it was spotted driving slowly past the camera at 7:34 on the morning of the 22nd. Which is weird because Rob says that she left at seven, but the first time CCTV sees her car is 7:34, which is when she should already be at the school.
1: If I think about it now. I can probably count on one hand how many green BMWs I've seen. That's not a common... South thing. Africa is a white car country. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so bad. If you drive down the roads, I feel there must be some statistics <laughs> on this that yeah. a, certain, a very high percentage of cars... is a white car. is white cars. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's the cheapest to repair. Could be. If you have some scrapes or stuff. Mm. But if I think about it, Like, how often do you see any car that's not, like, a neutral color? Yeah, and I feel, because green is my favorite color, literally, my dream car is a green Mustang. So, I always, funny enough, look when I see a green car, Mm. and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that's the tone I want my Mm. car. Mm. So, green car, firstly, not too many of them. Green BMW, even less.
0: Even less. Like, I don't... But just the time frame as I well, like, this is not adding up, brother. She's supposed to have left at 7. On the CCTV, you see that the driver is a white male, but he's wearing a cap, so you can't really see him. The car is then spotted another two times that day. Once at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and then again at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. All on the same CCTV. But not with Jill driving it. Not Jill driving the car. So an eyewitness saw... This green BMW, I think, at the Deep River, um train station during these times. A manager of the neighborhood watch saw the green car in the area around 1. The driver is a middle-aged white man. But he says that this man seemed very upset. He's screaming and shouting out loud. His windows are open so people can hear him throwing a temper tantrum. And he's like banging his he- hand on like the steering wheel. Throwing a fit. Mm-hmm. So this guy is like, okay... Let me go and offer some help. Which, first of all, if you see a crazy person, especially in South Africa, (laughs) like, dude, do not approach them. No. Um, So, he goes up to the car, but the minute the driver who's losing his shit, which we can now know is Rob. As soon as this driver sees this bystander approaching him, he just drives off he's like mm, cheers i'm out so now jill's license plates um were removed but due to evidence police confirmed that it was jill's car seen on the cctv as she had like identifying marks i'm assuming like dents or scratches or whatever um that confirmed that it was the same car uh, so now several locations are now conclusively linked to the crime from eyewitnesses seeing this car yeah And they also have Rob's reports of where he was supposedly driving around that morning looking for Jill. In his own car. In his own car. Yeah. So now Sonnenberg requests a subpoena for Jill and Rob's cell phone records. So the last activity on Jill's phone was at 9 o'clock the night before she went missing. So the night that they had that argument when Nicola phoned and she never got back. The last activity was that phone call Nicola made. And then there was no more activity for the rest of the night. And her phone didn't ping any towers until like after 7am. So at 7am, her phone pings a tower that they're closest to, which is one closest to their house. After that, the phone never pings again for any tower, any location, anything like that. So 7am on the 22nd was the last thing they have for Jill's phone. And that is simply that it pinged to a tower. That's it. Not even that it was used. Just that it yeah. was nearby. It comes out that Rob has two phones. A work phone and a personal phone. So he used this private phone to communicate with Miss X after Jill found out about the affair. But Jill didn't know about this private phone. She only knew about his work phone. Which she assumed was his only phone. The phone, yeah. Yeah. So now it comes out he has most two phones. Now, on the day of the 22nd, the day Jill was missing, okay... The work phone came with Rob and the personal phone stayed at home. It didn't leave the house that day. Then the locations identified for Jill's vehicle on the 22nd matched Rob's phone pings. But it also matched where he had claimed to be that day. So it matched like just too many things. They were like, okay, like why is it matching where she is or where the car was, where witnesses say this car was? But it's also pinging where you say you were. Did he swap cars and drive around with his phone? So, <gasps> in theory, okay, in theory, this means that the person who had the hypothetically hijacked Jill, because now Rob is on this whole tip that like this is a hijacking. She was hijacked and murdered for sure. The way that these pings are working, it means that the person who hijacked and murdered his wife Stayed in her car And drove the car around At the same time That Rob was driving around looking for her Keep in mind the area they stay Is not that big They would be coming close to each other At very very similar times But never actually encountering each other So did this guy
1: Park the car Get out Run to the other car Drive
0: Park the car No it just, it doesn't make sense. According to what he's saying, they should have come too close together to see each other. And like the fact that they missed each other that many times, mm-mm, this doesn't make sense. So he's like, this is hard to believe. Sonny is like, this is hard to believe. And he's also like, who would drive a stolen car around the area they stole it from for several hours after they've stolen it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if I yeah. go and I rob a bank, I'm not going to be walking around the streets that I robbed the bank. Yeah. I'm going to be a f- as far away as I possibly can be. Yeah. So they also like, Deep Referee is probably the last place you want to be because there's not a lot of areas you can take. Like, there's not a lot of roads you can take as a getaway without getting caught. Because...
1: Yo, if you steal... If you hijack someone, yeah, you don't hang around. You
0: book it. You know? You... You fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So they just like, this is not making sense. Like, who would just stay around in the area for that long knowing they had stolen this car? And in theory, they would have her dead body in the car. Why would you be driving around an area, you stole a car with a dead body in the car? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No. they all like, okay, whatever. This is weird because you're telling me you drove around for several hours in the same area before setting the car alight? Not, not going to happen, brother. He's already like, something weird's going on. Now, a week later, a week after she goes missing, DNA finally confirms that the body in the car is Jill. They also confirm that she had already passed away before the car was set alight. Hoping that this was gonna bring some sort of peace to her family, yeah. you know, telling them that you know she wasn't alive when this car got like burned. Yeah, which would have been like you're tragic. So two autopsies were done on Jill's body. So the first confirmed that plus minus 90% of her body was charred in the fire and a presence of an accelerant like petrol was found. A forensic anthropologist looked at the bones confirmed that her cause of death was caused by three blunt force injuries to the skull that were very severe. Two of the injuries were on the right side of her head. One was so bad that it instantly fractured her skull. The blow was near the temple of her head and had a radiating fracture. Well, had radiating fractures as well as concentric fractures around it. This traveled all the way across her skull, like right round. So this, this fracture traveled right around her skull, which is like intense. Cause this is quite odd, dude. So it's have a fracture that goes all the way around. Like you were hit pretty damn hard. So most fractures stop at the petrous temple bone, which is the hardest bone in the body. And Joel's fracture didn't stop it there; it went through it, and only stopped at the gap where your skull, where your spinal cord meets your head. That's the, yeah, by only, the like the yeah, axis. that's the only place it stopped was at that gap because then it had nothing more to go through. So this hit was so hard mm. that basically. It,
1: the crack went over the entire skull Yeah
0: it was like The way they explain it is like So if you hit something Okay it travels And then yeah. eventually it stops But this thing travelled so much That it only stopped when there was nothing left It couldn't travel anymore It couldn't travel anymore So if there was If there was place for it to travel Like it could have gone further Yeah But it got to a point where it couldn't travel That's the only reason it stopped That's how hard this hit was Like to her head
1: like skull splitting yeah basically yes so
0: joel's fracture went through it yeah okay so the second blow on the right side so two were on the right side and one was on the left the second blow on her right side was to her jawbone which essentially broke her mandible in two you know how hard that's, bitch broken in half like into two separate pieces
1: this isn't hitting somebody no in defense this is hitting hard hitting Hitting to kill. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hitting to destroy.
0: So now, like, because of all of the hits that she she had gotten, then she got a hit on the left side of her head, which also caused another fracture, right? Between all of the fractures and all of the hits to her head, the way it ended up, her skull was essentially split in two pieces. Like, mm-hmm. her actual bone, yeah. like, the actual skull was now split in split completely in two yeah and i'm guessing these happen close. concurrently. Yeah. yeah close to each so other these two blows they the first two on the right side the one the first one that like went all the way to that gap yeah and then the one to her jaw they resulted in her death those were the ones that like caused her to die however at least one more blow was delivered to the left side of her head but she was already. But she was already dead. The, that fracture traveled along her skull, connected to the one on the right, and essentially then split it in two. Then they found like a piece of plastic was melted around Joel's forearm. They police think like it's like some sort of a brace or whatever. However, Rob says it's a plaster because she cut her hand from throwing something in the like recyclable, like throwing mm-hmm. a glass bottle away. So he's like, no, it has to be a plaster. 28th of Feb. So this is like a week after she went missing. And now a week after she went missing, it was confirmed that it was her body. Yeah. So this is now this week after. Rob decides to have friends over for drinks and snacks. And he gets obliterated.
1: Mm. So... so, More like a celebration.
0: You know? Sonnenbach arrives at the house and Rob very quickly sobers up. While Sonnenbach tells him that he is being arrested for Joel's murder. And guests just stand in shock. They're like, what the fuck is going on? We're watching this man get arrested for the murder of his wife.
1: But do these people know that his wife is missing?
0: I think so. Like, how
1: are you partying at somebody's house? Like, knowing that
0: this is happening.
1: Yeah, and obviously, maybe he didn't tell them that the wife was identified. Maybe not. But
0: still... So 2nd of March comes, police investigate the Packham house. They found blood in the garage door, like on the garage door, as well as like other ob- objects in the garage. They also found blood in their ensuite bathroom of the main bedroom that him and Jill shared. Yeah. And um, there was also blood in Rob's driver's side door of his car, which was really weird because Jill never drove his car. She never touched his car. So how is her he blood? was covered in blood. Um, in the garage next to the tumble dryer is a pile of like clean linen that's been folded up. Hidden inside is a broken axe. And they're like, okay, we'll take note of that. Then the blood on the garage door and the car door is confirmed to be Jules. The blood in the bathroom is Rob's. Now, the weird thing is the axe has absolutely no DNA on it. They're like, there's no DNA evidence linking. Yeah, The axe But they say if it was the axe that he had used He would have had to be He would have had to hit her with the back end Of it not like the front end That yeah. you like chop with So they're like that's probably what he used But they don't know so, Yeah because the
1: hits to her head can't be with It has to be some sort of extreme object mm-hmm. That can't That is made for hitting you know Right.
0: So Rob's arrest Like it surprised a lot of people But like Jill sisters and them not surprised they were like mm. so but rob's daughters were devastated dude they yeah. like try to defend him they were like there's no way it could be our dad like yeah. they, like this is no ways so rob is charged for jill's murder and attempting to defeat ends of justice so this means like destroying and attempting to destroy evidence on the 9th of march rob is released on fifty thousand rand bail mm-hmm. Oh, and he's told to be very cautious and not to have any contact with any stage witnesses or anything, state witnesses or anything Mm. like that, including Miss X. He can't talk to his mistress. So Miss X had also said she did not want any contact with him as she was nervous about the media attention that this case was getting because she has two minor children that she's trying to protect. And she's like, listen, like, I don't need the repercussions of this. This is when her name gets legally barred for the sake of her children. And then she goes out of her way to get, like, I think a restraining order or something to, like, make sure that Rob can't contact her. However, Rob failed to comply and attempted to contact this woman many a times. So in July 2018, he's taken back into custody because of he's breaking the breaches of his bail. So, the state wanted his bail to be revoked completely. However, it was just raised to 75,000 Rand. So now he needed to pay an extra like 25K. And so it's almost like, okay, you fucked up. We're just going to charge
1: you a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Not detain Even you. Even
0: though the state wanted it to be completely revoked, they wanted yeah. him to sit in prison until yeah. his trial date.
1: Yeah, because if he's pushing the. Well, pushing the limits pushing if he's doing what he's not supposed to be doing
0: what else is he doing exactly he needs to be locked up right so anyway so they just raised it to seventy five thousand, and he was then put on house arrest and he wasn't allowed access to any digital devices that could make any forms of communication to yeah. anyone and he was only allowed a three-hour shopping trip per day one three-hour shopping trip per day um, or he was allowed to go to church or to see a medical professional. Those are the only reasons he's allowed to leave the house while he's under. Who shops for three hours every day? Right?
1: Like bitch. <laughs> if you get me to shop for three hours <laughs> in one month, it's a
0: lot. I was like, okay, that's a bit excessive. Yeah. But anyway. So in October, Rob contacted a friend of Jules. Who was set to testify for the state police. So then they searched his home to look if they had found... If they could find any devices. Yeah. But they couldn't. So they're like, how the fuck is this guy... communicating Communicating with these people. In December, the state launched an appeal to revoke his bail again, completely. Sonnenbach at this time was receiving multiple complaints from his neighbors that Rob was breaking the rules of his house arrest. He continued to harass Miss X after she had obtained her own order against him doing so. He had sent her flowers, cards, letters. He'd used mutual friends to get messages to her. And a lot of them, like a lot of these letters and stuff, Were him expressing how badly he wanted to have sex with her. So not even like, I love you, be with me. Nah, it's I want (laughs) to (laughs) fuck. So Rob was still believed to have some sort of access to a digital device for means of communication. But the police for the life of them could not find it. They were like, we don't know how he's doing this.
1: Probably has some Nokia 3310 (laughs) hidden somewhere.
0: So, Miss X receives a letter signed off by a Richard J. Hopkins. And she believes that this is Rob in disguise. So, this is what the letter says. And I quote. I write this to remedy the the mistruths created. I so regret the damage caused. Any talk of threats or intimidation is utter nonsense. It was just him. By him, they mean Rob. Yeah. Reaching out. He wears his heart on his sleeve for you. Dared to show you his vulnerability, stupid maybe, but a real personal cost to both his girls and himself. He misses you. He said something about a small piece of his heart. I don't know about this. Maybe you'll know the meaning. It seems significant to him. Do you keep an open mind and don't judge? Have you stopped to consider that he is an innocent target of cynical police work or have you bought into the spin of the press presumption of guilt via unfound speculation. He deserves better, end quote. Rob was rearrested for breaching bail conditions and he complained saying that none of this was true and he was a victim of a smear campaign. So he's like, I'm being framed. I'm like, okay. So he said he received threatening messages from friends of Jill and Miss X. Um, in one letter it read, and I quote, your last free Christmas and New Year for twenty five years. Next year is going to be a lousy one. But then that's what you wanted and meticulously planned. In quote. Rob's daughters begged the judge not to revoke bail as she was getting married in a few weeks and wanted him to walk her down the aisle. Now that's another thing about this case that made me feel super weird is the way the daughters go about this. They just praise this man. They're like We just want him out. We want him with us. We want him to live his life. You know, and I'm like, this is the man that took the life of your mother. The woman that gave you life. And you're like, I'm like, I don't know how much manipulation these girls went through. Or if they just like, don't give a fuck. Or what the case may be. But they like, they are Rob stands. They're like,
1: Rob for life.
0: You know? Yes,
1: I don't know, hey.
0: And so, while the judge had sympathy for this daughter... Like, she's getting married, she's just lost her mom, and now her dad's not going to be there. He was like, there needs to be consequences for the disrespect that Rob is showing the court, yeah. and I'm not going to let this go. So, unfortunately, no. And he's the reason he his bail
1: is needing to be revoked is because he's trying to get with his mistress. Like, do the daughters know this? That alone must be...
0: Like, like you just killed my mom and now yes. you're like, out here trying to fuck your mistress.
1: Yes. even Get if <laughs> Even if they believed that mm. he did not murder their mother, mm. like, isn't he supposed to be in such distraught that he isn't able to contact his mistress? Like, uh-huh. that to me, as a daughter, I would think that that would be red flag, you know? You
0: would think, but apparently not. So, the courts, like, now the disrespect, they can't be ignored. So, yeah. bail was revoked. And he was now held in custody until the trial, which was planned for March 2019. Okay. So he's no longer under house arrest. He is now awaiting trial in yeah. in jail. So February 2019, Rob's defense attorney tried to have um, him released before his trial. However, this was denied. The they were like, not a fuck, brother. So while on bail, Twizzer brought disciplinary action for their name, being in disrepute, disrepute. Right. So they were like, um, this comes from Rob asking his colleague to say that he was at the factory when he wasn't. And it comes out that Rob didn't just do this the day that Jill died. He had actually phoned this colleague a week later to confirm with the colleague that the colleague knew what he had to say to, yeah. to confirm this lie. They were like, okay, well, this is fucking weird. This lie was meant to just be for Jill. You know, he said it himself yeah. that it was just meant for Joel. However, he continued it even after her body was found and yeah. confirmed to be hers. He was still like continue this lie. Yeah.
1: So then, like, what the one thing that can get him out of this is the alibi. Exactly. Yeah.
0: The colleague never tells this lie, and when he's asked, the colleague tells the truth they're like no he asked me to lie but this is what actually happened yeah um so then rob was then dismissed from Twitter. he contacted his hr manager now this is really weird he contacts his hr manager for his provident fund strangely decides to send his hr manager all his evidence trying to show his hr manager his innocence of the case And the HR manager is like, this is really, like, weird and making me uncomfortable because this has nothing to do with your payout. Yeah. Like, nothing. And then his defense attorney says, no, it was just him wanting his ex-employer to know his side of the story. Why? Why? I think he did get his payout, I'm not sure. But, yeah, he, he got dismissed from his job, obviously so rob at this point now like he doesn't have a job he's now in like jail he's not working so he doesn't have enough money to keep up with the car payments so he decides he has to sell his car so his attorney's like okay but we need to let the police know because if we just sell the car like it's gonna look weird yeah so the they inform the police son and is like okay it's fine but can you please just drop the car off here one more time so we can have one last look at it yeah. before you sell the car. Because, like, yeah. it is evidence. Yeah. So they're like, okay, no, that's fine. We'll drop it off. So they drop it off. He's like, okay, I'm going to compare the tire tracks from the scene yeah. to those of this man's car. The car gets dropped off with completely new tires on. Every, like, all four new tires.
1: Why didn't they check that in the beginning?
0: He took photos of it. Yeah. But, like, I don't think it was taken that seriously. Yeah. Why, I'm not sure. But it was just weird because um, when he compared it from the photo yeah. that he had originally taken, like, it was almost an identical match. Witness testimony, as well as photos, Sonerbach took put Rob's car at the crime scene. So he wanted this final look to confirm that. Um, but now the car has completely new tires. When he confronted Rob, he acted clueless. He was like, no, I, I never changed it. Where's the receipts? But the thing that's like super weird is he does this even in trial. where When he explains what happened, he doesn't like outright just say it. But he implies so hard with the choice of words that he uses that he's like, I can see the ties were changed and stuff, but I didn't do it. So he's like, someone else could have done it, but it wasn't me. He's like, I didn't change the tires, so I don't know. Like, constantly implying that, like, he's not necessarily denying that it happened. He's just like, but it wasn't me specifically, so you can't hold me accountable for that. So he's going for, like, the plausible deniability.
1: Yeah. What, reasonable doubt? Reasonable doubt, yeah. Yeah.
0: So Jill's brother in law states that he believes that because they did this there was this other documentary, I didn't even watch it, um, that was done on this on this case. I can't remember what it's called, but on this, Jill's brother in law gets invest well, gets not investigated, gets um interviewed. Indeed. He says that he believes that Rob had someone helping him because Rob didn't pay his own bail, but nor did anybody from the family. Their family didn't have enough money to pay. The first 50,000 Rand, then an additional 25,000, and then what, like a thousand to two thousand Rand per tire for his car? They were like, none of us did this for him, and he couldn't have done it for himself. He was so broke, he had to sell his car. So they were like, someone had to have been helping him, but then they don't know who. Was the bail paid anonymously? I assume so because it's never like nobody knows who did it so they're just like it's just like super weird just super weird so now maybe it was the therapist oh my god maybe that's so crazy because she even says like after she ended things but the whole trial happens she gets questioned and she even goes on to say she still has a soft spot for. yeah you're right that's so fucking true maybe it was her that's fucking insane. So in 2019, trial begins. Reporters are surprised by the man they meet in court as when he was doing his um, bail trial, whatever, mm. he was super serious, like super serious. And now he's seen smiling and laughing. He's lighthearted. He's making faces at the camera. Like, it's like, he's just like so happy. Yeah. And they just like, this is weird. Now this, here comes the video I want to show you. This okay. is where it all all ties in, okay. okay? So there is footage of Packham walking out of the courtroom. And he's, like, walking out a door. And there's a cameraman that's, like, showing him. And he walks out the door, makes eye contact with the camera. And then puts his body from the outside, like, behind the door. And then starts to play peekaboo. With the cameraman What? So now I'm gonna show you the video So as if the whole situation in itself Is not already so sick and fucking twisted Because the fact that you're in court playing peekaboo Is ridiculous When you see this man's face And like especially the last little piece You're gonna understand what I mean when I told you This vibe that I get Like that other guy we got vibes from Yeah Same fucking thing Okay watch this Okay. Give us a second. Yes. So that's him. Is he blowing... Ki- what? Now watch ya. This is where he starts playing peekaboo. He blew a kiss. Yeah. And now... Oh, no. No, watch, watch, watch. This part. Girl, I crawl. Growl. Like, I I can't watch it without literally feeling my skin crawl. How creepy is I
1: that? I have... Yes. Like...
0: It is so bad. Like this. He's got such a sinister smile. Hey? It looks like. Like this part alone is really creepy. But this end part. This. That no. freaks me out. Guys it's on YouTube if you want to v- like go see it. Um, It's super fucking creepy though. That like, is. It's like, just so weird. Girl. The Joker. Right. Merged with like Pennywise.
1: Hey. Merged with. I don't even know what. Like, I'm
0: sorry. I know our whole thing isn't, like, we don't want to do these whole videos and pictures. But that, like, I needed to show you to, like, understand what I'm trying to say. It is haunting. He, like, when I tell you, guys, if you look at this man, like, everything behind his eyes is just evil. Like... There's nothing good in that man. You can't. Tell I did not think was. that that was gonna be so creepy. Hey, and like you think about it, like you hear it, and you're like, oh, it's a man playing peekaboo with a camera. Like it's gonna be fucked up, but it's not like yeah, it's gonna be weird, you know? Watches, and you're gonna oh, get creeped out, guys. It's eerie, it's, right? It's just such a weird vibe. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> At least I'm not crazy. So anyway, so this like it's super fucking freaky. They get this footage, and they're all like, what the fuck? Do you know how are you sitting here playing peekaboo in the middle of trial and not so, even like normal peekaboo like, like creepy creepy, <laughs>
1: creepy peekaboo
0: according to states rob killed jill when life got hard and he couldn't make a decision oh and throughout this trial now i'm not exactly sure at what point he says it but he says a quote that then goes quite like gets quite well known and he turns around and he says i love my life but i don't love my wife And this quote just sticks with him. Like, it's now, like, that is his quote. Like, at some points along the line, like, those words come out of his mouth and everybody's like, mm. Okay. So he's just completely unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. So the court's like, you know, life got tough for him and he was like, I can't choose between these two women, so let me just kill one. Mm -mm. The physical evidence included the blood in the garage, but the defense says that that could have gotten there after she got cut from throwing away that glass bottle. But it doesn't explain the blood in Rob's car, which she never drove. Yeah, Especially because the blood was in the front seat, yeah. like the driver's seat. So the axe can't confirm anything. However, it's concluded that if it was the murder weapon, they'd have to use the back of the axe. Yeah. Um, then the tire marks and the tires being changed, that was also brought up. But the defense says that there was no proof that the tires in the photograph were Rob's tires. However, they never say that it definitely wasn't either. Oh they just create reasonable doubt. Yeah. That's all that they're trying to do. Phone The phone pings correlate with Jill's car and where it was seen at specific times. So that also got brought up. Then a weird thing was like the defense never tried to confirm that Rob was ever at the car dealership. Although they could, they like most likely had CCTV that it wouldn't have proven him innocent, but it would have helped his case but they never even bothered to try and and prove that that that's where he was so witnesses confirmed rob to be the man that they saw however the defense says that all of these witnesses drove in the same car together to the lineup to the photo thing so they're like no they could have spoken to each other and then the second thing defense says is it's it's unfair because they only showed pictures of white men. Sonnenberg explains that only one vehicle was ex- was available to them and they wouldn't allow the um they they weren't going to allow the case to go and like be suspended even more purely because they needed more than one car. They were like yeah. just all fucking go together. Yeah. And then he was like okay, the second thing about the all white men, every witness that explained the person they saw, said it was a white man. Yeah. So they were like, if we put people of color in there, like it would have just skewed the opinion even more. Yeah. Because then I'm like literally cutting down the people you can choose from. Like then I'm kind of like handing yeah, what, it to what you. to you. What am I? And like if the if the
1: witnesses say it was a white man, then you kind of need to gather all oh, the white, white men, men who can be...
0: You know, like You're trying just...
1: to be as accurate as possible. If nobody was picked on the lineup, then mm. yes, sure. Maybe get a, a different race person in. Mm. But if those were the suspects or the people that they could put in the lineup, mm. I don't know how lineups work. Do they just get random people off the street or are all of them criminals? I
0: don't think they're all criminals. Is it? I don't think so. I oh, wish should maybe. I've never actually thought maybe. about I think they just find people that are similar to... Police officials assemble the suspect and at least five fillers with similar physical attributes. Oh. So I think it's just random people. Okay. They're all like, you know, you you had something weird to do with this. And they're like, guys, they said it was a white man. We put white men. Like, I don't know what you want from us at this point. There was another witness who was the witness that saw him, that saw Rob losing his mind in the car. Now, this witness is 76 years old shame what a cutie pie he said he was struggling to identify Rob in the room and so when he was asked to identify him he identified two people he identified Rob as one of them and then a man sitting behind Rob and he was like I don't know I don't know but then the judge asks him to get off the stand and go stand by the one he thinks it is And he stands directly next to Rob. More witnesses end up saying that they saw Rob's car. Defense, however, said that they could have just seen a white car and are now inclined to say it was the one like Rob's. Then one witness fights them and they're like, excuse fucking me, but I know my cars and I know what car I saw. And it was that car. Yeah. So he's like, you're not going to take me for a ride. So police checked Rob's personal phone. However, the phone that he used for work was locked with a pin, and Rob gave them the wrong pin. And so when he was contacted about it, he said he didn't remember the code, and it was now the police's problem to figure it out, because he they had lost the code that was the right code. And he's like, well, now I don't know. So this phone never ends up being gone through or looked at. They never end up being able to open yeah. this phone, which, like kind of leaves me with a weird feeling because i'm like I feel what like... was on that phone exactly and i feel like if you could open that phone we could see who was helping rob i feel like that phone had that information yeah. so rob's demeanor was also a factor in the case as he had like this carefree attitude when his wife went missing like he just didn't care like, yeah he just acted so cocky about everything he forgot to report her missing he never followed up on progress or leads um, he was breaking rules on bail and was constantly trying to get hold of Miss X after she requested him to stop. Like, all of these things were super weird. So then there was this advocate, Susan Galloway, who cross-examined Rob. And she's known for being, like, really, really good at what she does. Mm -hmm. And, like, a lot of defense teams, like, don't want to go up against her because she just rips them to shreds. So, in her opinion, she thinks that Rob thinks little of women and is very condescending towards them and approaches Mm -hmm. them that way straight off the bat. So, she said it was very easy for her to, like, deal with Rob because all she did was give him contradictions to his evidence. And being presented with that from a woman... Apparently, like, got such a rise out of him. Like, he could not handle that this woman was outsmarting him. So, Galloway um, says it was easy to get a rise out of him simply by presenting him with his own lies. Yeah. Like, that alone, like, infuriated him. Rob's defense was that he simply did not do it. (laughs) That's his defense. He's like, I just simply didn't do it. (laughs) There we go. Like, I'm, I'm an innocent man, yo so <laughs> i can't even take it seriously all his defense and stuff have to do is actually create reasonable doubt so that's what they start to try to do is try and make it make them believe that rob could have possibly not been the only one that could have done this crime yeah they do this by presenting this hijacking theory that rob started from the beginning and the problem with this is in his words he was there that morning when Joel left for work so if the hijacking happened at the house, he would have heard. Because they're like, Jill wasn't shot. So clearly, if it was a hijacking, this person didn't have that weapon on them to shoot her. So she didn't feel like she was gonna get shot if she made a sound. Like surely you would scream to like get your husband's attention. Yeah, and
1: where would they if her car was seen by so many witnesses?
0: Oh, we're gonna get there. Where would they have hit have- her?
1: Exactly. To cause all
0: of this. And they... Yeah. So, they're like, nah, nah, nah. So, he says he was there. they like, listen, no. Like, sh- she would have screamed. Yeah. So, then... If the alleged attack happened after she had left the house and closed the garage door, which would have muffled the sound, the attack would have had to happen very close to 7 in the morning because they saw her car on CCTV at half past 7. That would mean that between 7 and 7.34, this hijacker would have had to hide her car from Rob. And the gap between the house of the CCTV and the Packham residence is one house between them where between that between three houses are you going to hide a car without getting seen do you know what i'm trying to say yeah it doesn't make sense they're like this is fucking impossible they were like where did they wait for the with her in the car for 30 to 40 minutes without being seen on cctv without rob seeing them because he apparently left just after doesn't make sense So then Rob said he left at around seven. So he should have seen his wife's car as there is only one house in between all of them. And then it's like Joel didn't come back as an alarm was set and there was no disturbance to that. So they were like, it's not like she could have come back into the house, left again, and then the hijacking took place. You know, because once the alarm was set, it was never turned off until Rob came back and turned it off. So they were like, again, does not make sense so then jill's work colleague who drives the same route as her every morning as well as drives past their house every single day says she never saw jill's car on the road that day not so she wasn't um attacked anywhere on the way to work like it couldn't have been things are becoming clear that um if she didn't leave the house to go to work in the morning by the time she left that morning she was already in the boots of the car dead yeah. So they like okay, either he killed her in that morning or the night before when that fight broke out. So the yeah. state didn't argue premeditation. They assumed that he would. Jill would have. They think what happened. Oh, they think what happened was that she reached her final straw after this therapy session, and she was like either telling him that she was gonna leave him, that she was gonna publicly make this like all out there and humiliate him, yeah. and or financially fuck him over completely. Yeah. So they think that this then triggered Rob. So then he gets angry, hits her over the head and kills her. So she would have died almost instantly. And then he would have hit her one more time after she died for that yeah. third blow. So Sørenberg agrees that it's not premeditation as if it was Rob would have had to plan or would have had a plan for her body instead of just aimlessly driving around for like Three four hours of the day with her body in the fucking back of the car. But maybe
1: that was the plan. Maybe because if her car is seen, like in his puny little brain, mm. that adds to his. Because we saying that he would have had a plan. We is assuming he would have had a better plan. Mm. I think he had a plan. It was just a shitty, just a shit just a plan. plan. Just a shit he plan. Just sucks.
0: They believe it's not premeditation. What what we believe. I don't know. The state told the court that they believed he parked the car somewhere that morning, then went into work in his own car, then went and took her car to the Deep train station. Then after that, after he left his sister's house after dinner, went back to the train station, then set the car alight, then went back to his house, all with his phone off. And then when he turned his phone back on, that's when his sister phoned and they went to the crime scene. They were all like, that's a lot, you know? That's a lot. So many people are shocked when finding out the state of Jill's body. I mean, she was like five foot two or something and she weighed like 47 kilograms. Like she was fucking tiny. The one thing that was noted is that Rob never reacts to, to them explaining the state of Jill's body. Like he just doesn't have a reaction to it at all. Rob's drive in the early hours, that morning he was supposed to go for that that meeting with back, but then he yeah. was like uh, he forgot yeah they think that's when he took the opportunity to get rid of all of his evidence oh. clean up the crime scene throw yeah. away anything because they never found found Joel's phone yeah. and they never found the murder weapon so they were like they think this time that time frame was when he went to go get rid of everything so on the 20th of May 2019 Rob is found guilty for the murder of Joel Packham and defeating ends of justice Jill's sisters cry out in relief however the daughters are just devastated and they told Galloway they didn't think that Rob was guilty so the daughters take the stand and beg the judge not to take him away and to give him the opportunity to meet his future grandkids and this and that just to you know live his life which I think is fucking ridiculous so out of frustration Jill's sisters take the stand so Helen one of the sisters she goes on to say Quote, Within hours, the shock and disbelief that Jill was missing turned into dread and acute sadness. When we were informed that her car had been found burning and her body was in the boot, it is a day we will never forget and which has created trauma and fear in our family. While waiting for confirmation from DNA tests, I had recurring nightmares about the prospect that Jill could have been alive in the burning vehicle the thought of anyone doing that to my sister was unconscionable i don't know if i'm saying Mm. that right then she says let alone someone close to her end quote helen then proceeds to say that she felt guilt for for not doing more to help find her sister they then go on to say quote for the rest of my life i will live with the thought that maybe i could have done something maybe i could have pushed harder to get her to talk to us or could have helped her emotionally or financially And by doing so, maybe she would have been alive. I will never know the answer to that, but I do know that collectively, we failed her. We failed to help her see that it is okay to walk away from a relationship or marriage that is not good for you. We failed to help her see that there are always options. We failed to help her to know that she was loved by so many and we would have done anything to help her. I can quantify the cost of counselling travel costs to South Africa, but one cannot quantify the impact that this crime will have on me or our whole family. My children will never get the opportunity to take part in the biggest family reunion that was planned in over 20 years. They will not get to take part in their cousin's wedding. They will not get to feel what it means to be a part of a big international family. We will not get to see Jill celebrating her daughter's wedding or see her being a graceful grandmother, or share their birthdays, Christmas, or other celebrations. All this has not only been taken away from me and my family, but also my sisters, their families, and Jill's daughters. One cannot quantify this in dollars or rands, as those are events and memories that are priceless." Heavy. So, on the 12th of June 2019, Rob is given 20 years in direct imprisonment for murder, For a murder charge and then four years for defeating the ends of justice. Two of which to be served concurrently with the murder and two of which consecutively. That makes his sentence 22 years for all of this. He only got 22 years. So Rob proceeds to unsuccessfully appeal his case all the way up to the highest court in the land and has no further appeals available. He's fucked for the next 22 years.
1: And he can't, um, what is that? Like... Like an early release thing. Mm-mm. It's like...
0: No parole. Minimum no
1: parole. Yeah. There we go. No possibility of parole. They don't think it was premeditated. Like it yeah. was more crime of
0: passion. Yeah, probably. Because okay. it wasn't. So they say... So basically, yeah, that's the case. He got the 20 years, 22 years in prison. Um, But like, it's just weird. Like, there's just a few weird things about the case that like just left eerie feelings. One of which was that her phone was off from 9... PM from the night before she went missing yeah. her fo- her daughter had called her Rob answered but Jill never tried to get back to her daughter so they're like okay so he must have killed her the night before like yeah. that only makes sense nobody knows or nobody has confirmed what Jill was wearing the night before so They don't know if the clothes she was found in were clothes she was going to work in or clothes she was wearing from the night before. Another thing that was like just left a really weird taste in everybody's mouth was they don't know how Rob went from car car to car to car to car to car. They were like there was like a two kilometer distance between the two cars most of the time. And Rob was quite fit at the time. So he could have walked between but it was just like the times were really close together and like it would have just been really risky to go from this car to that car to this place to that place. It was just so that's
1: where the accomplice might.
0: Yeah. So they well, I think... feel like it
1: would have been better
0: executed if there was. So they think that there was someone that like was basically following him throughout the day. Yeah. Helping him transporting him and they assume that this could be the same person that. Hate his bail that changed his tires. Like, I don't know. I don't think he worked alone. I definitely yeah. think there's someone else involved. Even if they didn't take part in the murder, I think someone else is trying to help him to cover it up. And I have this really if-ish feeling that it might be, and don't quote me on this, but it might be one of his daughters because of the way that they acted, like about everything. I don't know. It's just, um, or super... the therapist. Or the therapist. Or the
1: therapist. Yeah. Crazy
0: That's my case girl
1: That is insane I cannot get over that video though
0: So that's my thing Like it's such a It's like a pretty straightforward case But just like the whole vibe of it Like I don't get good vibes from this No I don't And that video set me off bro Yeah Set me off You guys should watch it It's almost
1: like when you see photos of serial killers for instance Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them where they were like Yeah this was an attractive man He wouldn't have been suspected Whatever Like for instance A lot of people comment That uh, Like Ted Bundy mm. Was a Was a good looking oak But then you look at pictures Of like Charles Manson And you just get All the crazy Like yeah. a picture's worth A thousand words 100%. Right That video Yeah Is worth All of the goosebumps mm. Like
0: it's It's it's, it's <laughs> Yeah I don't know, girl. When I saw that video, because once I heard it, like they were like, nah, like he's playing peekaboo. I'm like, I have to see this. I'm like, there's no way you're at your wife's trial getting charged with murder and you're playing peekaboo. Yeah. So already that, like, gave me a bad vibe. And then I watched the video and I was like, oh, fuck. This is a yeah. bad vibe on a different level.
1: And I feel like if it was, a, if it truly was a crime of passion, mm-hmm. like, there would have been. I think he would have acted differently. Yeah. It's almost like he... It was too planned. Yeah, he was. He already made peace with the fact mm. that this had happened. He's already processed this. And he's the thing is, like... Maybe he didn't plan the actual happenings or the actual events of the murder like mm. that. But maybe he had the thought of killing her. Because I'm also her. like, the
0: whole thing of the car, like him like going to buy her a new car and things like that. I'm like... Yeah. You're here lying to your wife about being in love with your mistress, going to counseling, telling her that you're trying to work on the marriage or whatever. And now you're like, gonna buy her a car? Like it just, and it just happens to link up with the same time frame. Like, I don't know that whole car situation. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust it. Yeah. I don't trust it.
1: But you guys should tell us what you think. Yes, please. Yeah, we're gonna, we will link our Instagram in yeah. the in the description box, in the description. and we will with every case we'll do like a little Instagram post. We want to have a website with all the the show links and everything or mm. the show notes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. For now, we're gonna post it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um. Just to and then your comment there. Tell us what you think. Give I us your.
0: Hear. I want to hear some yeah. perspectives.
1: Yes, and also tell us what you think about our our first little podcast. Woo-hoo! We. We have been on Reddit. We
0: know the brutalness. Yes, we are ready to be humbled. But please don't hurt my feelings. I will cry. I will cry for real. I will I
1: will silently cry in the shower and blame the shampoo.
0: <laughs> no, I will hysterically cry. And I'm not ashamed. Yeah. Guys, stay safe. Yeah, fuck. You really like, you spent 30 years with someone and you still actually don't know them. I mean, even in one of the, the things I was listening to. This lady is like, you know, she's known this man and been married to him for 30 years. But only in the moment that he committed the crime did she truly know him for the first time. And that's insane. That's so true. Because only in that moment did she really know the person she was with. So, yeah, stay woke. (laughs)